everybody. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. I'm alone today. This is my first solo recording that I'm going to do with video. It's a little bit weird. Um, it feels a little bit awkward to just be talking into the screen, um, but you guys said that you you were okay with this, so we're going to try it, and if it's really awkward, I'll just never do it again and record all of my solo episodes video or sorry, audio only um, moving forward. But I'm excited about this one. This is an episode that you guys suggested you wanted. Um, and I thought it would be important to go over. So basically the topic today is how to eat more and better animal protein. And I realized that this is very contrary to mainstream messaging. Uh, and I have kind of an uphill battle um, to climb as far as this topic goes and this education goes. Anybody who's on social media or on the internet at all probably has seen recently um, the latest kind of drama with Epicurious, which is a online recipe um, repository uh, that's very, very popular that announced that it would stop including beef recipes because it wanted to be more pro-planet. and. This was really disappointing on a number of levels, um, mostly because it just didn't seem to be a response that was really rooted in the reality of how Americans eat, how North Americans eat. Um, you know, at the end of the day, most Americans still eat meat and they are so hugely influential and had an opportunity to really have a conversation about how to um, educate their followers and their consumers about um, sustainable agriculture and ethical sustainable farming practices and how and where and why to make more sustainable um, choices with their meat and where they're buying it from and, and where they're getting it from. And instead, I think, I guess, just because of pressure from, I don't know, online uh, lobbies and people with a lot of influence and a lot of moral high ground kind of arguments that aren't really well-founded, they decided to just say, okay, well, we'll never talk about meat again. And there was you know, a, a fair bit of backlash, I think, from not just crazy hardcore carnivore people, but from just standard eaters who said that this was really kind of short-sighted and not very helpful. Um, there were a lot of vegan and plant-based people who were really pleased with the um, decision and were also saying, you know, why are these meat people so up in arms? You know, you can still eat meat, which is true. Um, and it's fine to have a bias. It's There's lots of carnivore and meat-based uh, websites, blogs, and bloggers out there, just like there are plenty of vegan and plant-based ones. Um, but this was really a very hugely influential mainstream um, resource that is now very biased. And that's going to continue to um, perpetuate a lot of falsehoods around the health of eating plant-based, the impacts on the environment on eating plant-based, and of course, those same topics for meat eaters. So it was just, it was disheartening for a lot of us um, who are really, you know, I'm somebody who wrote a book about organ meats. I'm writing a book now about eating high protein. I'm really trying to 
get unbiased information out there about just the the ancestral wisdom of how we should be eating or trying to eat or aiming to eat. Um, and it was just kind of another like, here we go. Like, it's such an uphill battle. It's very uh, frustrating. So in light of that, having some folks reach out to me on social media and say, I was vegan. I was having a lot of health issues. I'm trying to eat more animal protein and I'm just kind of not really sure how. Um, similar to people who are like, yeah, I eat meat, but I never really thought about it before and I want to try to eat better. Maybe I want to dabble in some organ meats, all of these things. Um, I thought it would be good to just kind of throw together, um, hopefully not too long of a podcast with some information about how to start going about that. So I appreciate you um, tuning in for this one. I'm going to be kind of like looking off the screen because I have some notes and stuff. Um, but if you listen to this and you have other questions, if you have other thoughts uh, and you want to continue this conversation, or maybe I will have another expert on to talk about it. I know I've got Rob Wolf coming on the podcast soon and some others, so we can continue this conversation for sure. But I just thought this would be a good sort of intro. Um, if you're looking to eat better meat, especially if you're somebody who has been plant-based for a long time or just has not eaten a lot of meat for a while and you're kind of confused how to like get back into this world or get into it for the first time, here are just some kind of key tips, okay, if that makes sense. Okay, so the first thing that I guess I want to address here is some mindset part of it. So if you're listening to this, if you've reached out to me because you are looking to eat more meat, then presumably you're relatively open-minded about the idea, even if you are nervous or freaked out or grossed out or whatever. Um, and I commend you for being willing to try something different, right? Um, because I've said many times before, there are people who can thrive on a vegan diet, just like there are people who can somehow thrive on a standard American diet. It doesn't mean it's optimal or ideal. Um, and I think that the key with any diet is to recognize when it is no longer serving you and not feel like you are so bound to a diet that you have to keep eating that way or you'll lose your identity. You know, Recognizing when something isn't working anymore and being willing to try new things is incredibly important in all areas of life not just eating. So um, I appreciate you being here and being willing to, to delve into this stuff. And so the first thing I would say to people who are looking to start eating more meat and are a little nervous is give yourself a break. Understand that this stuff doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to go from plant-based to comfortably eating liver probably in a day. I mean, that's not usually how human uh, behavior works. And also just like kids, anybody out there who has kids or has done any research on this stuff, when you are introducing new foods to children, um, you sometimes have to get them to try it 10 times before they accept it because it's different. Um, maybe they weren't in the mood one day. Maybe they didn't like the way you made it one day. It's the same with adults, right? You can't try a completely new thing, especially if it's very different than what you're used to eating and just expect to love it immediately and be fine with it. You need to give yourself a little bit of time and patience and consistency and try things over and over again, try things with different spices, cooking preparations, um, different recipes. You have to be willing to sort of invest a little bit of time into things um, before you 
you know, develop what could be an acquired taste for you, right? Um, don't eat boiled liver once and say that liver is not for you. I mean, I learned this with vegetables. I think a lot of us grew up eating boiled, yikes, like boiled cabbage and Brussels sprouts and gross stuff like that. And we had to sit at the table until we finished eating it. Nobody's traumatized by eating gross boiled vegetables. You find better ways to make them, you know? Chop up your Brussels sprouts, add some bacon and balsamic and roast them. That's delicious. You know, you find other ways. So you can do that with meat as well. Um, and then another kind of like sort of tough love piece that I give on the mindset side is remembering that again, as adults who care about our health, who care about making the best decisions for our health and, and performance and vitality and all of these things, food doesn't have to be a, a treat every single meal. It doesn't have to be ice cream and cake. Um, it doesn't have to be the most hyper palatable thing in the world. I love to make my food taste good. And most of the time it does. And sometimes it's just boring. Sometimes it's just plain salmon and asparagus and rice or, you know, I don't know, ground beef. And it's just not all that special. And I eat it anyway because it's good for me and it's important to fuel your body properly. Um, so assuming that every time you sit down to a meal, it should be like this five-star last meal, amazing experience just also isn't really realistic. Um, and so I don't tell anybody that they should choke down food. And if, you know, again, liver or steak or ground beef makes you gag and you've tried and you've tried and you cannot do it, life's too short, but there are other options. It doesn't always have to be black or white. I don't like boiled liver, so I'll never eat organ meats. I don't like ground meat, so I guess I have to be a vegan. There are other options. We just have to put the effort in, right? And knowing that you absolutely, anybody who's listening who's a vegan or a vegetarian or former, you don't have to go from being a vegan to a carnivore. You don't have to eat a ton of meat. You don't have to eat steak and ground beef for every meal. Nobody has to do that. Some people choose to do that. I don't do that. I eat very protein, animal protein forward diet, but I don't eat the same heavy meat for every meal all the time. And you don't have to either. Your healthier plate can look very different from mine and still be whole foods, include animal protein, um, and support your goals. So if you end up only liking fish and eggs, or maybe you really can only get your head around, I don't know, chicken and tuna or whatever it is that you decide you want to eat, that's okay. And if you eat less of it than I do, that's also okay. Um, I have never been in the business of trying to force my exact type of eating on anyone else. And I don't think anyone should do that because we're all individuals with different challenges and goals and preferences. Um, so your paleo or animal protein based or whole foods based plate will probably look different than mine. And that's okay. And that's okay for you. Get, get over that it has to sort of look the way somebody important online tells you it has to look, right? Um, okay. So 
just quickly, I'm going to go over some like resources that I think that might, uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, but I want to actually hear from an expert, smart, good idea. Um, some recommendations for learning more about um, the health benefits of protein, why animal protein specifically is important, because I don't really want to get into like the amino acid thing and all that stuff. I'm writing about it for the new book, but it's just been written about a million times why animal protein is just a, a fundamentally more um, bioavailable and superior source of protein and amino acids and plant protein. I don't need to rehash it here. You can read it in a million other places. If you want to read more in-depth conversations about the ethics of eating animals, about the sustainability for our planet, planetary health, um, all of the different types of farming practices, all of these things, there are a so many other resources that you can check out that will be really beneficial for you. Immediately, I think of Diana Rogers, Sustainable Dish, her book that she wrote with Rob Wolf, Sacred Cow. Highly recommend anybody read this. Read it again if you've already read it. It's, it's just fantastic. Um, I reference her in my first book as well um, because she just puts a ton of effort and research and thought and passion into trying to get it through to us how wrong we are about the health and sustainability benefits um, of eating animals versus plants and, and how um, monocropping and, and plant uh, crops are not actually saving the planet. They're kind of doing the opposite. So Diana Rogers is fantastic. My good friend, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, um, muscle-centric medicine doctor, functional um, physician. I've done a ton of podcasts with her. You probably already know her, but she has a ton of res uh, resources and research um, out there that you can access for free, YouTube videos, um, all kinds of information about how we use protein, why it's important um, at a chemical level. So she's really great to follow. Um, Joel Salatin's another one, Weston A. Price. Um, of course, you've got my book, It Takes Guts, where I do talk a fair bit about um, sustainable farming. I talk about the health benefits and misconceptions around organ meat specifically, which I know is another next step that you may not necessarily be interested in. Um, but I am currently working on another book with my good friend and recipe developer, Beth Lipton. That's going to be all about, again, high protein recipes um, that aren't necessarily organ meats. They're more kind of user-friendly chicken and beef and fish and stuff like that. Um, and my goal really for that new book is to, despite saying high protein, animal protein, I want it to be in the health food section of Barnes and Noble and chapters and all those big bookstores. I don't want it to be relegated to a corner like this one is talking about uh, specialty ingredients or like, hey, if you're a weirdo, you can try out this book. I want it to be mainstream the same way all of these vegan plant-based health books are. And I think it's only fair. I think it's only balanced and reasonable that it would show up there. We'll see what happens. Guess I'm not holding my breath, but that's my goal. So uh, lots of other resources. As far as other great cookbooks, because I don't want to just, just uh, shamelessly plug my own, there are a ton of recipe developers out there that are doing amazing uh, protein-forward 
whole foods recipes. They aren't necessarily paleo or keto or anything like that. They're just good recipes with real ingredients that you can actually make at home. Um, like I mentioned, my friend Beth Lipton, um, uh, paleo mom, Sarah Ballantyne has amazing resources and her book, Paleo Principles, is actually, if I was going to recommend one book on nutrition, it would be that one. It's a very big big, physically big uh, resource, but it's absolutely worth it. Um, Michelle Tam, Nom Nom Paleo is amazing. Christina Kerp, uh, Castaway Kitchen is fantastic. Amy Myers, um, I'll put all of these in the show notes, but there are so many other resources where you can find um, non-extreme recipes that are going to be good, that you can play with, that you can make your own. Um, there's, there's just so many resources out there. You don't ever have to feel bored or like you don't know where to go as far as trying new things with meat. Um, okay. I'm going to talk a, just a little bit more about the mindset thing, and then I'm going to take a break. Um, acknowledging, this is a little bit woo-woo guys, but like acknowledging the emotions and the, the stress that can come from unlearning the things that no longer serve you. And I kind of already mentioned this, but um, I just feel like food more than almost any other topic, we get so personal and like take it so personally and get so in our feelings about identifying with a way to eat. And when we no longer can do that for our health, we're really torn and really upset about it. Or if someone challenges our way of eating, or if someone um, tells us to eat another way, even if we have this inkling in our head that maybe we should, we tend to be really um, reticent to try it because there's so much emotion and so much um, programming that goes into believing that a certain way of eating is more moral than another. Um, I don't particularly believe that eating meat is more moral than not eating meat. I just don't think it's less moral. Um, so I don't really ever get super defensive or take it personally. The random times that I get, you know, DMs from vegans who tell me I'm a murderer because I don't I know that they're misinformed and I believe in what I believe. Um, I don't feel like I have to go out and attack vegans on social media for their beliefs, um, even if I, I think they're misguided because that's not how I feel people's minds are changed. Um, but I just think that it's important to spend some time with the discomfort, you know? And if you are trying something because you really believe it's gonna improve your health and it's the right thing to do and you're still uncomfortable, that's okay it's okay. And I'll offer coming up a lot of options for how to kind of like ease into this um, in a way that is going to be maybe less disruptive and less um, scary than, than other ways. Um, but just knowing that it is a big deal. If you've been a vegan for 10 years, if you've been plant-based, if you thought that killing animals or eating animals was inhumane murder. And now you're trying to see things in a different light. It can take a long time to unlearn things. And I know this really firsthand coming from being a woman in the fitness and wellness industry and how often I am dealing with clients, female clients who have been told for decades that they have to 
eat low fat, that they have to eat 1200 calories, that they have to do two hours of cardio a day, that they can't lift weights because they'll get bulky. These are still pervasive things that even in the face of so much contrary evidence, it's so hard to unlearn something that you've been essentially indoctrinated with for years and years. So knowing that that's the case and still being willing to try and learn other things is is a huge deal. It's very brave. Um, most people never go out of their comfort zone and try to learn something different than what they felt they knew before. So again, give yourself a break, give yourself some credit, be okay with the fact that this might be a rocky road for a while and a little uncomfortable, um, but that it's worth it. And that trying new things is important. Um, you'll find the way that's best for you. And it's crazy to keep trying something that doesn't work and expect a different result. So the only other option is to try something different, but you can make it your own. Um, so with that, I'm going to take a brief break so I can take a drink and stop staring at myself. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to talk about a little bit more practical uh, concepts in terms of testing, tracking, um, some supplements, and then some other ways that you can actually really incorporate meat into your diet in a way um, that, it, that makes sense. So I'll be right back. Hey friends, bear with me for a quick second while I tell you about the company that made today's episode possible. It's going to be relevant to you, I promise. Uh, these are my friends over at Bioptimizers. They make gut health supporting products um, that are some of the highest quality, most effective that I certainly have ever tried, which is why I support them now and they support me really well. Um, they have a range of products, including their most popular, the ones that I'm using all the time, masszymes, uh, digestive enzymes, and their probiotic product. They also have a magnesium product that's really great. Um, they have another uh, gut health promoting collagen powder that's chocolate flavored that I take in the morning because of course it's chocolate flavored. It's awesome. But all of their products, they've probably got a, a dozen, are all about promoting gut health. And I started taking their stuff at the very beginning of the P word, the pandemic, last year, because that was a while ago now. And um, it was when I was stuck inside. Stress was really high. My food was great. I mean, my lifestyle was as on point as it could be when you're stuck inside the house. But I was experiencing some gut health related issues, some weird symptoms that I'd never had before. And I started taking their products religiously and it made an incredible difference, like a significant difference. I almost couldn't believe how impressive it was. And I've been using it on and off ever since, mostly when I need to support my health around times of stress or travel, or if I'm kind of off my diet or my lifestyle in any way. Um, but these are products that you can be taking all the time and they have made a, a huge difference in my life. And so that's why I want to pass that information along to you guys. So you can head to bioptimizers.com or you can just click the link in the show notes and you can use the discount code, you guessed it, Muscle Maven for a discount. Work on that gut health. It is important. Thanks guys for listening. Back to the show. Okay. And we're back. Uh, and if you're wondering, I am on a medicine ball, which is why you might see me moving around weird, but it's a step up from sitting and it's comfortable and it's fun. So you're really missing out. If you're listening to this, you can't see me on my medicine ball like a weirdo. Okay. Now we're going to talk about 
some tracking, some testing, just generally, um, because let's be sort of intelligent about this. If you're going to change your diet drastically, you should pay attention to whether it's actually helping you <laughs> or hurting you or know in the first place what kind of symptoms or issues or challenges you're looking to improve upon. Um, you just need to be sort of diligent with this stuff, especially when you're in the process of changing a diet. Um, and so often people try to change things so drastically and so quickly that you don't know if you get bad side effects or symptoms or if your health improves, you don't necessarily know what it was that's either fixing or hurting you. So these things have to be done gradually and mindfully and you have to pay attention. Um, and it's annoying and it's a lot of work and you gotta do it anyway. So. I would say certainly before you change your diet, um, you should get some health baselines. You know, you should get like a blood panel, um, hormonal testing. If you can do like a Dutch test or something, that would be great. Um, get your micronutrient levels checked so you know like where's your iron, where's your vitamin D, where's your you know B vitamins, all of these things. Get a full work up if you can. Um, if you work with a great doctor, if you have the ability to get these tests and just get baselines so that you know, um, here's where my hormone levels are. Here's where my micronutrient levels are. My cholesterol's really high. My iron's really low. Um, all of these things you should know, right? Like you should know these and you should be testing these regularly regardless, but certainly before you decide to change your, um, diet drastically. I also highly recommend at the very least that you keep your own track of how you feel, um, whether that's putting things into a tracker, it's keeping a journal, um, but you want to be tracking pretty extensively. So everything from exactly what you're eating, how you feel after you eat it, right after you eat it, later that day, the next day, track your digestion. What's your digestion like? How regular are you? What's your poop like? Your energy levels, how well you're sleeping, your libido, your performance in the gym, every aspect of how you feel and what you consider to be your like health factors, you should be testing these and maybe keep track of them for a while before you change your diet. And then certainly keep track of them for a good while after you change your diet. Um, and I'm not talking about two or three days. I'm talking like weeks because this stuff is going to take at least weeks and maybe a lot longer if you have been eating one way for a very long time and then you start to change it. It's also worth noting that when you change your diet, there's the potential to feel worse before you feel better. Some of this is just your body getting used to a new way of eating. Um, some of it can have some sort of um, impact on like your body kind of like detoxing or using things differently or flushing things out of your system. I mean, people talk a lot about this with um, keto. When you go strict keto um, and you suddenly are going from maybe eating a lot of carbs to hardly any, um, and you have maybe a anti-inflammatory response where you sort of flush a lot of water and you lose a bunch of weight, you lose a couple pounds and you think, oh, wow, I just lost a bunch of fat. And usually it's just sort of bloat and water and things like that. Oftentimes people get headaches um, and they feel kind of crappy because their body is used to running on sugar and suddenly it does not have that available. So while you're going through the process of switching to being able to run on fat, you might feel like garbage for a while. Um, 
Some people have digestive issues when they're suddenly eating much more fat. I know there have been a lot of accounts of people having digestive issues when they suddenly eat a lot more protein, which has never necessarily been the case for me and is not always going to be the case, but it could be. So these are things that you need to consider um, as well, that it, yeah, it, it could be disheartening when you suddenly eat in a way that you consider to be healthy or better and you feel worse, you gotta kind of stick it out as with any diet. Even if I was talking to somebody who was going from a standard American diet full of processed food to a vegetarian diet, um, I'd say you're probably gonna feel better, but you might feel worse first for a little bit. So you just gotta, again, kind of put the time and consistency in and kind of just work through some of these bumps that are gonna happen right away. Um, yeah, so prepare yourself to, to, it could take weeks or even months. Um, if you're able to work with a naturopath, a functional um, medicine doctor, a nutritionist, try to find somebody who's as unbiased as possible. I mean, if you deal with a professional who immediately tells you, you shouldn't be eating red meat or you should be plant-based or, um, how dare you eat lower carb? That's bad for you. Like just, if you hear anything that's sort of overly judgy rather than acknowledging that you're trying to eat a more whole foods diet or just trying something different and you want their support, you'll get a good sense. Um, and it may take you a while. You may need to look around to find somebody who's going to support you the way you need, but that would be very helpful. Um, so some more practical tips in terms of just, if you're going to start eating more meat, um, do it gradually. Generally speaking, meat is actually easier to digest than a diet heavy in grains and vegetables. Our body physiologically has, um, structures and, and, um, and chemical reactions in place that help us break down meat that we do not have for a lot of vegetables. Um, anybody who's eaten like a, or started eating like a ton of like cruciferous vegetables and um, stuff like that and gets the, you know, side effects that they get from that, a lot of gas and bloating, you know that uh, vegetables aren't always easy to digest as well, but some people do find that they have some digestive upset when they start eating more meat. So do it gradually. If you are not eating any meat, don't immediately eat a 12 ounce rare ribeye. Um, work your way up an ounce or two, a couple ounces, start with eggs, start with fish, start with chicken, um, ground meat, whatever. Eat a little bit, wait a while, see how you feel. Um, and then you gradually increase it. Um, as per your goals and comfort and stuff like that. But don't go from zero to 100 with anything, generally. It's not a good idea. Um, consider using digestive enzymes. Uh, I use them not constantly, but I use them when I am going through periods of maybe higher stress, um, when I'm traveling, when I'm eating differently than I normally do. I use digestive enzymes, and these are just supplements that are going to help your body um, digest the food that you're eating and make better use of the nutrients. So I, of course, recommend Bioptimizers. They're our show sponsor today. I love that company. They, I've talked about them before. They 
saved me at the beginning of the pandemic when my body was going a little bit haywire, I think from stress. And uh, I was having digestive issues and skin issues and all kinds of weird things pop up that I'd never had before, despite eating a continuously healthy diet and one that I had always thrived on. Um, my body decided it didn't like what was happening and their digestive enzymes and their probiotics saved me. So consider trying some digestive enzymes, some probiotics, adding that into your diet. Um, we can get more in depth on that topic in another episode if you want, but I highly recommend you check out Bioptimizers and read up on their products and why they're good. Um, and consider, consider adding it even as a sort of temporary measure. Um, okay, so now kind of talking a little bit more practically about the actual food. You can start by, I've said this many times, we're talking gradually here. You can start by even incorporating some stuff in supplement form. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of ancestral supplements. They make desiccated organ meat pills that you can take in pill form instead of eating it. Um, it's essentially dried organs. So they've got um, beef liver, beef heart, organ complexes, collagen, things like that. Um, so you don't have to taste it. You don't have to think about it. It's not going to be the same level of bioavailability and um, nutrition as eating the real thing, but it's certainly better than nothing. And I use them quite frequently. Again, when I'm traveling, when I'm not um, eating as much organ meats, when I'm not cooking as much, um, I think they're a great company and a great resource. Things like collagen powder supplements, Bubs, you know, is one of my favorite companies. They make incredible um, collagen, which is an amino acid. Uh, it's a protein consisting of some amino acids that are really good for your skin health, um, for your gut health, uh, all of those things. It's a good protein source. It's an animal-based protein source. It's not a complete protein, so you don't want to just use collagen, but it's a fantastic addition for, I would say, 99% of the population. Um, you can use whey or egg white protein. Goat's milk protein um, is another good one for people who tend to have digestive issues with whey or lactose um, or conventional dairy. Uh, make shakes. Make shakes from your favorite vegetables and fruits and just add some of this animal-based protein into it. It's a great way to start um, hiding, hiding protein in other foods. I mentioned this in my book and I talk about it all the time. I love to eat, uh, you know, meat on the bone and adventurous cuts and things like that. But if you're, if that's never going to be you, if you never kind of like the idea of eating a lot of different types of animals and cuts and things like that, that's okay. We don't all have to be hardcore carnivore barbarians. Hide the healthy stuff in the food you already like to eat. I talk about this all the time. With regards to organ meats, you can go to your butcher and ask them for ground beef that has some ground organs in it. So then when you make your burgers or your meatballs, they're packed with this extra nutrition that you don't have to see or taste. Same goes for if you're somebody who's normally um, making vegetarian stir fries or salads or quinoa bowls or whatever, you know, whatever vegetarians are eating these days. I don't really know. Um, you know, acai bowls, whatever. Hide the stuff in there. So get a little bit of ground turkey or chopped up eggs or tuna or whatever it is that you're deciding to experiment with and just put a little bit mixed in so that it is sort of hidden in the 
textures and flavors and tastes that you already love and enjoy. Um, you don't have to eat 12 ounces, excuse me, <laughs> 12 ounces of it. You sprinkle it on the way I would sprinkle on nuts and seeds on a salad or something. Work your way up gradually. It's okay to do that. Choose animals or cuts um, that freak you out less. If you are totally freaked out by eating a cow, you don't have to eat a cow. Um, there's lots of discussion to be had around the sustainability and health benefits of um, red meat and beef versus chicken. So it, it actually is the case that we are eating less red meat um, than we have in the past. Um, everyone likes to say that we're this like meat obsessed sort of culture and we just can't stop eating red meat. We're actually eating less red meat, um, largely due to some of these um, false health campaigns put out there by um, special interest groups. Um, and our, our health is absolutely suffering um, in direct parallel to that as we're eating more processed foods and sugars and trans fats and vegetable oils. Um, and a lot of people, there's a lot of argument that you know conventional chicken um, production is actually a lot worse than conventional beef and that that can be problematic. But again, we'll get into this sort of decision-making and, and perfection later, but the general concept that I'm trying to get across to you is if you don't like beef, it doesn't mean the only other option is to be a vegan. You can eat fish, you can eat seafood, you can eat eggs, you can eat game, you can eat small animals, if that freaks you out less, you can eat chicken, you can eat poultry. Um, there are so many options, so just pick stuff that freaks you out less. And if a big juicy um, you know, chicken thigh on the bone kind of squeaks you out, but having like a plain skinless chicken breast, okay, I can chop that up and put it into my stir fry and it doesn't freak me out. I will advocate for what I think is the more nutrient dense and tasty cut, but you got to eat what is going to be helpful to you. And at the end of the day, you're still getting um, vitamins and minerals and protein and health benefits from that chicken breast. So work your way up and just choose things that freak you out less. Eggs and fish tend to be a great place for a lot of recovering vegans and vegetarians to start because it's just, for whatever reason, easier to get your head around um, eating those things versus like larger animals um, with faces that are cuter, I guess. So that's something to consider. Another kind of quick and easy tip that I give to people a lot is if you're just kind of dipping your toes back into the meat eating world, get a professional to make it for you. So you don't have to handle it. You don't have to prep it. You don't have to see it. You don't have to think about it. Um, you can just have somebody who knows what they're doing and knows how to make this food delicious, make it for you so that you can just enjoy it. Um, that's not something I recommend in the long term. I think that it's important actually to connect with your food and understand where it comes from and connect with the sort of life and death cycle that is crucial and connected to us all. Um, I don't think everyone has to necessarily hunt or butcher their own meat, but I think that if you are deciding that you're going to be somebody who eats meat, getting comfortable with purchasing it, handling it, prepping it, cooking it is important. I did do a podcast just recently with a chef um, all about how to prep meat, um, so I can link that one to um, Ryan Farr. He's great. So you can check that out as well. Um, but at first, when you were just trying to get comfortable, 
again, you don't have to go from being a vegetarian to like buying something that you have to cut up and look at and smell and all that kind of stuff. Just have a professional, go to a restaurant if you're in a place where you're lucky enough to go out in public and go to restaurants these days um, and have a professional make something that sounds appetizing to you um, and then just enjoy it for the flavor and the taste and how it makes you feel. Try not to think too hard about it because again, this is a gradual progression. Um, so yeah, get a professional to do it. That's, that's always my advice. Um, I'd say that's probably like the main points for how to just dip your toes into it. A quick note on quality and type of meat. Um, and I do, like I said, I do talk about, um, sourcing and how to get kind of quality meat in my book. There's a bunch of resources online um, that you can find this. What I generally tell people who reach out to me and say, I can't afford grass-fed beef or I can't find good quality local farmers, what do I do? Um, my general advice is, and this is just a person's advice, I'm not a doctor, I'm not I'm really not any kind of professional other than somebody who just researches and learns the stuff for a living. Um, so take it with a grain of salt, use your common sense. But I always tell people to make the best decision with the resources that they have available to them. So if you have the finances and you have um, established that you are willing to invest a fair bit in the type of food that you eat, which I highly recommend if you have that privilege to have that money to invest in your food, you should. I mean, that's what I spend the majority of my money on um, because it's important. Um, there's very little, I think, that's more important on a day-to-day -day basis than what you're putting into your body. Um, so for me, investing money and time in good quality uh, meat and produce is important to me. I understand that other people have other obligations, they have bigger families, um, they have, people have tight budgets, you have to pay attention to this stuff. So as much as, you know, maybe environmentalists or, or certain kind of sustainability advocates would say that factory farming is awful, and it kind of is, guys. Factory conventionally raised beef is still better than a pizza or a Twinkie or like, you know, I don't even know, like just garbage processed food from the middle of the aisle that lasts for six years, that is full of preservatives and rancid vegetable oils and processed sugar. It just is. We can get to the point where we're trying to make better decisions and eating more locally and going to farmer's markets. That's another suggestion I have for you. But if your only option is conventional grocery store meat or full-on junk food, get the meat that you can get. I just, I just think that that's the better option. Um, if you are worried about having kind of like suboptimal quality beef, you generally, or meat in general, you want to go with leaner cuts um, because animals store their toxins from maybe, I don't know, pesticides or antibiotics or whatever. Um, just environmental toxins, they store it in their fat. Humans do this too. So all of the toxic things that we're exposed to every day from cleaning to, um, you know, maybe medications that are 
we're taking to skincare, to everything that we're exposed to, a lot of that toxic load ends up in our fat and it's the same with animals. So if you are worried about not having the highest quality um, meat, get leaner cuts and then you can add fat onto it. So you can get some butter, grass-fed butter is usually a cheaper option than grass-fed beef. So you can get higher quality butter maybe that you can add to it, coconut oil, avocado oil, things like that. Um, if you have the option, if you can order online some of these national companies that provide really good quality meat, um, Belcampo is a good one, US Wellness Meats, um, Butcher Box, Force of Nature, there's a ton of online companies now that, that do great work. If you can access that, that's great. If you have a local farm and a farmer's market that you have access to and you can talk to your local butcher or your local farmer and ask them questions and find out where the meat's from and is it local and how local and how is it raised get information. Usually these folks will be happy to give you information. They're not going to be pissed that you're asking these questions. They'll be, they'll be happy to talk to you about it. So you can learn more and feel better that the meat is coming from somewhere that is local, um, from real farmers, from small, um, you know, small operations. Um, make the best decisions you can. If you have all the money in the world, order the best meat that you can because we, our decisions matter, our buying decisions matter. Um, and we can start to make changes to these huge institutions that are deeply unhealthy with our consumer decisions and our dollars. So every time that we buy impossible burgers or garbage food, that's, that's a decision that we're making. And that's a, a group that we're supporting. And every time we spend a little bit more money um, to buy better quality meat, we're making a decision there. Or produce, vegetables and, and uh, fruit and stuff as well. That's a decision we're making too for our health and for the greater food system. So ultimately what I'm saying is don't obsess over perfection. None of this is ever black or white. It's not if I can't get the highest quality organic grass-fed beef, I just should not bother. I'll just be a vegetarian. It's easier it's not easier and it's not better. Just make the best decision you can with the resources and finances that you have available to you um, whenever you can. So that's kind of my advice there. Um, okay, that's about it. I don't want this to run on too much longer. So um, that's the advice I have for folks who are trying to eat a bit more meat, better quality meat, improve their health through a ancestral-based whole foods um, omnivorous diet, um, the diet that we were truly physiologically made to eat. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I appreciate your willingness to try something new. Um, if you have further questions, please reach out to me. I'm mostly on Instagram at The Muscle Maven. You can also go to my website, Ashley Van Houten. I have a free ebook download in my store um, for an ebook related to this one. So it's got a couple recipes. It's got a bit more information about eating organ meats in general. My book is also available on the website. Um, you can also reach out to me there. You can subscribe to my newsletter. So any questions, any thoughts, any comments, um, just send them to me on social media. Um, 
via my website. I'd be happy to do this again. I'd be happy to bring on somebody to talk about it more in depth, but I hope this was helpful to you. I appreciate your attention and your time as always. Um, thank you to Bioptimizers for supporting the show. I love you guys. Take your products every day. They make me healthy and happy. Um, I've got all the information for you to save money and use some of their products in my show notes as well. I'll see you here next week. Please uh, give this podcast some love. If you can share it with someone, um, leave a rating and review if you haven't already. It's literally the only way I can promote the show and help it grow. Um, so I need your, your feedback. Um, and I need you guys to, to spread the love. So please do that. Thank you again. Have an awesome day. I'll see you next week with a guest. Thank you.